section eighty one of mysteries of london volume four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org mysteries of london volume four by george w m reynolds dr swinton the madhouse kept by dr swinton was a spacious building with a large garden surrounded by a high wall at the back it was by no means a gloomy-looking place although the casements were protected by iron bars for to mitigate that prison-like effect the curtains were of a cheerful colour and the window-sills were adorned with flowers and verdant evergreens in bright red pots moreover the front of the house was stuccoed and wherever paint was used the colours were of the gayest kind the front door always stood open during the daytime because there was an inner door of great strength which led into the hall and a porter in handsome livery was constantly lounging about at the entrance the doctor himself was an elderly person of highly respectable appearance and of very pleasing manners when he chose to be agreeable but no demon could exhibit greater ferocity than he when compelled to exercise his authority in respect to those amongst his patients who had no friends to care about them it was between nine and ten o'clock in the evening of the day following the interview between fitzgeorge and heathcote's head clerk that a plain carriage and pair drove up to the door of dr swinton's establishment the porter immediately rushed forward to open the door and let down the steps of the vehicle and two persons alighted one was a tall handsome young man of genteel bearing and handsomely dressed the other was some years older and might be described as respectable without having anything aristocratic in his appearance have the kindness to say that mr smithson accompanied by his friend mr granby requests an interview with your master were the words immediately addressed to the porter by the elder of the two visitors while the other appeared to be gazing about him in a vacant and stolid manner walk in gentlemen said the obsequious porter with a low bow he then rang a bell and a footman in resplendent livery opened the inner door mr granby and mr smithson were now conducted through a spacious hall into an elegantly furnished parlour lighted by a superb lustre suspended to the ceiling the doctor will be with you in a minute gentlemen said the domestic who immediately retired to acquaint his master with their arrival but the moment the door had closed behind him a smile of deep meaning instantly appeared upon the lips of the visitors as they exchanged equally significant looks in a few minutes dr swinton appeared his countenance wearing such a benignant expression that if the saints at exeter hall could only have bribed him to attend on the platform at their may meetings they would have secured a sufficiency of outward appearance of philanthropy to draw gold from the purses of even the most cynical in fact the doctor was precisely the individual from whose lips might be expected a most touching and lachrymose speech upon the benighted condition of the heathen and the absolute necessity of procuring funds for the purpose of circulating a million of bibles amongst the poor savages of the cannibal islands his thin grey hair was combed with precision over his high and massive forehead a smile played on his lips showing his well-preserved teeth and his eyes beamed with mildness almost with meekness as if he had succeeded by long perseverance in resigning himself to a profession which militated sadly against a natural benevolence of heart he was dressed in deep black his linen was of the finest material and of snowy whiteness he wore a low cravat and his enormous shirt frill was prevented from projecting too much by means 
of a diamond pin that could not have cost less than fifty guineas the middle finger of his right hand was adorned with a ring of equal value and a massive chain with a bunch of gold seals depended from his fob we should have observed that the doctor wore black silk stockings and shoes it being evening and we have every cause to believe that the reader may now form a tolerably accurate idea of that gentleman's personal appearance leaning forward as he walked and with a kind of mincing gait half familiar and half obsequious dr swinton advanced towards the visitors only one of whom rose at his approach and this was mr smithson the elder of the two the other remained in an apparent state of apathetic laziness on the sofa where he had taken his seat your most obedient mr smithson said the doctor proffering his hand to the individual whom he thus addressed this is your friend mr granby i presume the gentleman of whom you made mention when you honoured me with a visit this morning yes doctor that is indeed my unfortunate friend granby responded smithson drawing the physician into the window recess and speaking in a whisper he is a fine handsome young man observed the mad doctor glancing towards the subject of his remark and likewise adopting a low tone what a pity it is he added turning towards mr smithson and placing his forefinger significantly to his forehead a thousand thousand pities doctor was the reply delivered in a mournful voice such a splendid intellect to be thus clouded such a genius to be thus crushed annihilated no do not anticipate such a calamity hastily interposed the physician rather let us hope that a judicious system my system mr smithson will eventually succeed in effecting a cure but have you the regular certificates my dear sir because you are well aware that a heavy responsibility rests upon gentlemen of my profession who receive patients everything is straightforward doctor interrupted mr smithson producing two papers from his pocket these certificates are signed by medical men of eminence and whose honour is unimpeachable oh assuredly exclaimed swinton glancing over the documents dr prince as an ornament to the profession and mr spicer is equally well known i have not the pleasure of their personal acquaintance but i am no stranger to their high reputation and rigid integrity so far so good my dear sir continued the mad doctor restoring the certificates to smithson and now i think we have little more to say in respect to arrangements nothing that i am aware of interrupted mr smithson when i saw you this morning you told me that your usual terms for first-class patients were six hundred a year each quarter payable in advance you will please to recollect my dear sir said the physician in a tone of bland insinuation it is a mere matter of form you know just the bare trouble of writing a cheque at the beginning instead of the close of the three months oh pray offer no apology for such an excellent regulation interrupted smithson short accounts make long friends ah ah very good very good indeed said the doctor with a jocular cachination you are quite right my dear sir quite right shall i give you a stamped receipt he asked as smithson placed in his hands two bank notes one for a hundred and the other for fifty pounds you can send me the acknowledgment at your leisure answered smithson and now as i must take my leave permit me to beseech you to bestow all possible attention upon my unhappy friend and to spare no expense in rendering him as comfortable as possible his relations who have empowered me thus to place him in your establishment are very wealthy and will cheerfully augment the allowance if required no coercion is necessary with him he is very tractable and by no means dangerous at the same time anything resembling restraint would only induce him to move heaven and earth to escape he cannot even endure to have his chamber door locked at night and you may safely trust him with a candle indeed he will have a light 
as for placing a keeper in his room such a step would be as unwise as it is uncalled for but i need not attempt to counsel a gentleman of your great experience and well-known skill pardon me my dear sir interrupted dr swinton drawing himself up at the compliment thus paid to his professional ability but i am always delighted to receive any hints which the friends of my patients are kind enough to give me and i can assure you that your suggestion shall be fully borne in mind of course you will call upon mr granby occasionally asked the doctor in a tone which was as much as to imply that the less frequent such visits were the better he thought it would be yes i shall call now and then responded smithson catching the physician's meaning in a moment but not too often as the visits of friends are likely no doubt to produce an injurious effect on those minds which under the influence of your admirable system are becoming settled and tranquil it is however my intention to return in a few days just to assure myself that granby is comfortable and likewise that you are not displeased with your patient very good said the doctor i shall be delighted to see you but will you not remain and partake of supper with us you will then have an opportunity of judging how i treat my patients for we all sit down to table together at least those who belong to the first class and who may be termed the parlour boarders besides i forgot to mention to you this morning that the religious principles of my patients are not neglected and that i keep a regular chaplain in the establishment if you will stay to supper you will have the pleasure of hearing him say grace before meat and deliver a most soul-refreshing exhortation afterwards indeed i may consider myself highly fortunate in having secured the spiritual services and the constant companionship of such a worthy man as the rev mr sheepshanks i should be much gratified by remaining to partake of your hospitality answered smithson and even still more rejoiced to form the acquaintance of such an estimable character as mr sheepshanks but unfortunately my time is precious and i must depart at once with these words smithson turned away from the window and approaching mr granby who was lounging upon the sofa seemingly gazing on vacancy he touched him on the shoulder saying good-bye my dear friend you are going to stay here for a few days with dr swinton and you will find yourself very comfortable i am already very comfortable observed granby beginning to play with his fingers in a stolid silly manner can you talk with the hands smithson oh yes and i will come to-morrow and hold a conversation with you by that method was the answer well don't forget said granby and bring all my friends with you twenty thirty forty of them if you like i shall know how to entertain them in that case i will bring them all my dear fellow returned smithson then in a whisper to the doctor he observed you perceive how childish he is but perfectly harmless ah i begin to fear with you that his cure will be no easy nor speedily accomplished matter responded the physician also in a low tone but you will do your best doctor i know said smithson then turning once more to his friend he exclaimed good-bye granby i'm off well go i don't mean to accompany you answered the patient without moving from his recumbent position and without even glancing towards smithson but maintaining his eyes fixed upon his fingers with which he appeared to be practising the dumb alphabet go along i say i'm very comfortable where i am mr smithson heaved a profound sigh and bidding the doctor farewell hurried to the carriage with his cambric handkerchief to his eyes ah he feels deeply for his afflicted friend thought dr swinton as he remained for a few moments on the threshold of the front door looking forth into the mild clear and beauteous night but i shall be the greatest fool in existence if ever i allowed mr granby to recover his reason an annuity of six hundred pounds is not to be thrown away in a hurry but i must prevent this fellow smithson from calling more than once or twice a year at the outside and then only on stated days or else with a week's notice however i shall get him here to supper in a short time 
and will then cajole him into anything i propose he is a soft-pated fool himself that i can see with half an eye having arrived at this complimentary conclusion in respect to mr smithson the doctor returned to the room where mr granby was still lying upon the sofa and still playing with his fingers End of section eighty one